Good morning, everyone. This is Jeffy Kennedy, author of Epic Fantasy Romance. I'm here with my first cup of coffee. Happy chair dance. That's good stuff. Today is, say it with me, Friday, um, October 7th. Happy Friday. It is a cool and dark and misty morning here in Santa Fe. Uh, yeah, it's, it's quite a bit darker than it looks on video. I guess that's the gain from Zencaster helping out, but, um, yeah, continuing with our cool, dark autumnal weather. Yesterday at Ryder Coffee, everyone was commenting on how we are truly into fall now. Uh, and generally favorable about it. Um, I think it was Jim pointed out that it had been three days of fall and yet. <laughs> so it was very fun to see everyone again. We had great conversations. Um, it was good to hear everyone's news and so forth. And yeah, yeah, it was just delightful. So, um, was not a super productive writing day for me. I got some done before I left. Not a lot done after I came back. Um, I need to get my head more deeply into word count. That said, I am, um, progressing decently on the novella. So I've got like 5,000 words and I should be on track to, to finish the draft. So I shouldn't complain. Right. Ah, and, and I'm not pressed. So I'm trying to be good about enjoying things when I'm not pressed to finish them. Um, so let's see one thing that I, I was thinking this morning that there were two things I wanted to think about or talk about both. Uh, one of them being on my, uh, that I have top of my head. The other thing I was thinking about as I was making coffee and I was thinking I should talk about that. And then, oh, there was something from yesterday I wanted to talk about. And I remembered what that was. And then the first thing flew out of my head. So hopefully it'll come back. We're back to that old argument about like, do things come back? I think they do. Other people say that's me. Um, so anyway, one thing that I, I learned yesterday, um, one of my author friends told me that I had not known before. And this is a friend who is, um, really built her career as a self-published author, did a little bit of trad, but it didn't go well then built her career as a self-published author and later got a traditional publishing deal. And we were talking about the pervasive use of, um, what is it like box sets and reduced, I'm going to, I'm referencing this conversation that we had. Yeah a low priced anthology or 
uh, like a 99 cent free deal kind of thing. Uh, and just for those of you who may not know, this has become a real technique. And in fact, it's become a business for some where they put together these anthologies, which are often box sets or anthologies of very short stories and people buy in. Um, they are expected to contribute a fair amount of money for advertising or other costs. So for comparison's sake, I'm going to talk about the anthology that I announced yesterday that I am doing with Grace Draven, Maria Vale, Dana Martin that we'll have out in spring for the Apollycon attendees and then wide after that. And when we do this, we each contribute our novella of approximately 25,000 words, 24 to 26, something like that. Um, I do the coordinating. I handle the finances. I'm going to start taking a small percentage for handling the finances because I've decided I should just start doing that. Uh, I need to figure out what percentage I want to take, but in fact, I should do that at the end of October, start doing that. Anyway, I typically don't take a percentage, but I, I do need to start. Uh, we all handle our own editing proofreading. However, it is that we do those things because everybody has self published. So well, Maria hasn't very much, but she's learning. So anyway, you turn in your polished story and when we split the costs of formatting and cover, I just cover the cost of the ISBN since it's fairly low, no matter how much I may bitch about that. Uh, so basically it comes out to with using my standard cover artist, $135 each. That's the money we put in up front. And I know this because we just had the call the other day. And so we were going over finances. It's, it's a low threshold and our goals with it are to make money. We all like making money um, because it does things like pay the mortgage and to cross pollinate with readers so that to, to improve our profile. It's a great form of promo that also generates income. So it's, it's the best of all possible worlds. We don't pour money into advertising. We don't do any other things like that. By contrast, these packaged anthologies, they ask people to buy in for, I have heard thousands of dollars. I've never done one. Um, but I've heard that some people have invested. I'm, I don't know if it's true, but I've heard like of people investing like $10,000 at being in these anthologies. Um, I think a more standard price tends to be around 1500 to $2,000. You contribute your story. Um, in some of them, there are so many authors that the way the royalties split out, I don't know how you could ever make your money back, but that's not the goal. That's not why people do this. People do this because 
they want to hit a list and it's almost always USA Today bestseller list so that they can then say that they are a USAP bestselling author. And I think I've touched on this before so this is not new information but the it's I think a lot of authors especially newbie authors who are trying to build a reputation and I know it's hard think that getting that USAP bestseller title to put on their stuff is going to make a huge difference for them and so then the question becomes does it make a difference does it actually make a difference um I would say that it's always a debate about how much readers care about this sort of thing you know maybe they there's a certain stamp of quality that's happening there I don't know uh from all of the conversations I've had and we've talked about this with awards too it's like I don't know if readers care it seems like they probably don't that there are other things that uh, influence how readers feel or the their buying decisions um, all and a whole lot of it is recommendations from their friends and then impulse buying um, covers and blurbs tropes that sort of thing do they care if the author says that they're a USA Today bestselling author maybe I don't think so uh, especially now because this technique of hitting the lists has become so pervasive and they don't live in a vacuum they know that's what's happening so I think it's become even more dilute but this is the very interesting thing that my friend said yesterday is that when she finally did sign with an agent and did go out on submission with a project to traditional publishing which is what a lot of people still want they start out in self-publishing build a platform move on to traditional publishing well she said that the first thing they asked the first things the question the publishers and blah 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 the first questions the publishers asked her agent to ask her was did you make or were did you make USA Today as part of a low priced anthology did you make the list because you sold your title for 99 cents and when she said no to both and also said that she didn't do pre orders either uh, she was golden and she said they asked those questions before they even asked to see the sales numbers for her self published stuff and I have had traditional publishers ask to see the sales numbers for my self published stuff. Um, I am not a USA Today bestselling author if I ever hit the list nobody ever told me about it I don't look but I think people would have told me um, would I like to sure but I've always wanted to be able to do it on my own merits so I think that that it's really important to know why you're doing this and it's easy to get caught up in in the tidal wave of enthusiasm because it sounds good it lends some validity and cred which especially newbie self-publishing authors I know that you want that I know how hard that is I know that I got to skip that step because I started in trad and so I already had the cred but 
I'm not sure this is the way to do it. I, in fact, I'm going to go say it's not. It's not the way to do it. Cross-pollinating is good, but if you're doing one of these things to hit a list, I just don't think it's worth the financial investment or the emotional investment because some of those things can be real shit shows too. And keep in mind that some of the people running them are running them for profit and they are keeping a huge chunk of that money. So that's my cautionary tale on that sort of thing. And I'm going to link onto that that I saw um, some gals talking the other day about the whole rapid release thing. And I think I've touched on that here that this is another thing that is commonly given as advice um, in various self publishing circles is you know to write books rapidly. Um, a lot of people talk about the 60 day cliff on Amazon that after that point Amazon will stop advertising you uh, or stop pushing your book so much you fall in the algorithm. It's a lot of black magic smoke and mirrors guessing because Amazon doesn't tell us. Uh, but there are some authors who believe very much in releasing a book within every 30 days. Uh, there are others who say you have to do it within 60 days and it's tied in with this thing of the the minimum viable product and this is a a term and I've touched on it here before that you want to produce a book that is the minimum you can put out there effort wise to get it out there rapidly and still have people read it. So this is clearly a very particular approach to being an author. Um, I think you all know that I really hate that word authorpreneur uh, because it's like it's the widget makers right you're you're reducing the idea of storytelling to to widget making um minimum viable product approach is widget making it's getting that product out there rapidly enough that you work the algorithm that you keep this the shelves stocked as it were and what happens is is that a lot of writers can't write that fast and the the minimum viable product people will also provide all sorts of advice on how to write faster including paying people to write for you which a lot of them do. Um, but as I often say you shouldn't be in the writing business in order to become rich to have people. Oh I just remembered the other thing I wanted to talk about. Oh good it's survivorship bias. Hopefully I'll remember actually hold on that I wrote it down so I wouldn't forget. Um, but did I forget what I was saying now? So oh don't do it to get rich have people gotten rich sure uh, but a sure path to getting rich is you know go into finance um, there being a writer is not a sure path to getting rich. You have to go into it because you love it. If you love writing and telling stories then by all means but I don't know I don't feel like it makes a good widget that's me. So anyway uh, 
what was I saying with uh so I was these gals were talking oh they they were lamenting the fact that they can't write enough write fast enough for this rapid release and and I jumped in to say and they were really happy that I said that so that's why I'm reiterating here sometimes I worry you know it's like I don't want to always come in and be like the advice giver if people don't want it but I said you know I have always always treated my writing career as the long game and I think it served me well because I've always looked at building my audience building my reputation and I made the point to them that you know we talk about readers having entry points to our books and series and sometimes you deliberately create a new entry point into a long running series but in reality any book is an entry point and if a reader picks up a book of ours that is like kind of shitty you can lose them forever and I've certainly done it I mean I've started to read authors where it's like ugh, and I've heard readers say it you know it's like oh yeah I tried that author uh, yeah and people will say well which book did you try you should try this other one you may not get that chance make every every book every story as good as you can possibly make it um, that serves you it serves the reason that you're being creative in the first place and it serves the readership um, it's I, I do believe that the long game works it's the reverse of the rapid release minimum via viable product but as I always say um, discover what your process is and own it right. So the thing I was thinking about was survivorship bias which I've talked about a number of times here and I do think it's important to remember that if you look at cases where people have been very very successful at the thing and you backwards extrapolate to find out what they did you're already working with a bias right because you're not looking at all of the people who did the exact same thing and failed. And so I saw this interview with John Krasinski a little clip where he was saying how when he went to New York that he told his mother that he wanted to go to New York City and try to be an actor and she said to him well do me a favor if after two or three years you haven't gotten any action no nibbles no bites then you will tell me and I will you know bring you home but don't ask me to make the decision for you I you you have to make the, the call because this is this is your thing and I want you to make make that choice you know you decide and so he said he'd been in New York for about two and a half years and nothing no nibbles no bites and he called home he said it was in September and he called his mother and said you know what you're right this isn't going to happen and my life sucks and waiting tables is considerably less fun than anyone would imagine it to be and I'm, I want to come home and she said well just give it a couple more months just ride it out until Christmas and he said and then like three weeks later is when he got the role on the office which made his career and the audience like audibly goes oh we love those stories right we fucking love those stories that's so great you know like John Krasinski almost went home without becoming the amazing actor that he is 
and we think, oh yeah, so it's good. It's good that he stuck out those extra weeks and that his mother changed her mind and made him stay. Well, the problem with this story is, is we are not hearing from the 99 other, not John Krasinski's, the people who went to New York, got crushed waiting tables, called home and said, I don't think this is going to work. And their family said, sure, come on home and we'll, you know, find your job in your hometown, or, you know, you can go back to school or one of these things. Um, they never, ever became an actor. We don't tell those stories because they are not interesting stories. They are boring. You probably know people who said who, you know, if you ask them, if you ask people, well, what did you think you wanted to be? What was your dream? You know, and they're like, oh, well, I wanted to be a ballet dancer, but then I sprained my knee when I was in high school and I couldn't go on on point anymore. So, but I'm very happy being an environmental consultant. Um, this is not me. I was never a ballet dancer. How many people do you know who always say, well, you know, I've, I've always wanted to write a novel and haven't, or people who have written novels that never went anywhere. Uh, we don't tell these stories because they're quiet stories. They're common stories and they don't give us that ah, feeling, but it's important. It's really important to remember that those are most of the stories out there that John Krasinski is remarkable in part because there are so many people who are not John Krasinski. Anyway, uh, I don't think, I don't mean that to be and the ending the Friday on a downer. It's, it shouldn't be, it should be, it's, it's just a reality check. It's just every time you think, well, such and so got rich doing this. And so if I extrapolate backwards, if I re reverse engineer their career, I can figure out how they got to that. Sure. Sometimes you can figure things out. You can see that they like went to this workshop or they, you know, like the classic story of, you know, like the Beatles playing in the German bars, you know, doing covers night after night, after night, the dint of long practice, those kinds of things you can extract lessons from, but hoping to figure out where someone was standing when lightning struck and going and standing there, hoping that it will strike you too. Those are long odds. So instead find your own path. That's, that's what, you know, figure out what your process is, figure out what your career is, figure out who and what you want to be and own that invest in that. Don't, don't invest in trying to be like someone else there. I hope you all have a wonderful weekend and I will talk to you on Monday. You all take care. Bye-bye.